Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode four of Rolling Release, our weekly variety podcast about the perpetual improvement of Linux. How you doing this week, Mark? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Other than the fact that you are frozen on my screen right now, I'm doing really great. <laughs> uh, it's been a pretty good week for uh, for Linux. Good, got some updates to some projects we're going to talk about. Um, we do have some programs that may or may not be continuing their Linux support that we're going to talk about in the news segment this week. And then a little bit later, Mark, this was the first week that you've spent. Uh, you probably were not in Linux the whole time, but you actually had a Linux install that you were using some of the time, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah and, uh, absolutely. Toward the back end of the show, we are going to talk to Mark about how his first week with a full bare metal Linux installation has been, and we're going to answer any questions he has and talk about the experience he's had so far. Um, but yeah, for now, let's just get right into the news this week. What do you say, Mark? Let's do it. Oh, uh, all right. Get, is it? <laughs> yeah, it's stuck. It's, if you weren't blinking in the screen cap, it might not be as noticeable. All right, so our first story this week is the next generation of Skype has been revealed by Microsoft. Uh, I don't know if you heard about this, Mark. Um, you probably have used Skype before. Yeah, yeah, a bit. And uh, so, yeah, I don't know if you heard the next generation. They're, like, doing a big update, changing a lot of stuff about it. Are they changing the name of it? Um, nope, still called Skype, but uh, it oh, okay. may not be supported on Linux anymore. Okay. So, uh, Why? so huh. that's awesome. Um, not really. It's horrible. But no. so yeah, here is OMG Ubuntu's article on this. Now I'm not going to read a lot of quotes from this article because it's pretty snarky and unprofessional. But uh, basically, Microsoft did release this thing called New Skype, is what they're calling it. It adds more personalization um, and it adds more. Basically, it's trying to make it more like a modern hip chat app they're trying to appeal to younger users they're trying to appeal to families because a lot of the skype audience used to be gamers and they have now moved on to things like discord um, yeah yeah so they're not seeing as much market from gamers anymore so they're trying to appeal to just the average public again they've got a new feature called highlights that lets you share and capture a picture or videos for a limited time so like Snapchat, so Snapchat. yeah. Yeah. So they just um, want to. So, yeah, they've added like stickers and stuff you can send. Like, oh, but great. it's it's like yeah, it's not really useful stuff. But um, yeah, the reason why this is on OMG Ubuntu is because the announcement says, and I've got the announcement up on the Skype website here, coming to a device near you. Um, we built the new Skype to live across your favorite devices. It is coming soon to Android, iOS, Windows, and Mac. But they they don't say it's coming oh. to Linux. So, oh. Mark, here's the here's what's been going on with Skype on Linux. This actually isn't a a huge shocker, even though it is disappointing. So back, you remember when Skype wasn't owned by Microsoft? Like there was a uh, point. It's it's been a long time that they have. Though. I remember when they got bought. Um, so I yeah. I was using Skype before that. I, you probably were too. But um, but Skype used to have clients on Mac, Windows, and Linux. It used to be completely cross-platform. When Microsoft bought Skype, the first thing they did was they said, we're not changing anything, guys. Don't worry. It's going to be the exact same. And then the next thing that they did was they stopped updating the Skype for Linux client. They continued <laughs> updating the uh, the Windows and Mac clients. Well, but I, I guess they aren't changing anything. Well, here's the yeah. thing, though. Here's the thing. This is why it's confusing. They didn't update the Skype Linux client for a long time. You could still use it. But it didn't have all the new features that the Windows and Mac clients had, like widescreen video. Um, it was just kind of stuck with the older features. And then, last year, Microsoft released an alpha update for all three platforms that was a quote-unquote new Skype. But the Linux one was a big deal because it had not been updated for a long time. There was a Skype for Linux alpha, 
and it was a they were basically saying we're going to start updating this for linux again we're keeping it up um after mm -hmm. years of not updating skype for linux now the thing was about that um that skype for linux alpha it was an electron app which have i explained electron apps in enough detail yet Tori, you know what that uh, means? might have you might have just mentioned it while so, explaining yeah. something else. Electron apps are kind of, they're a blessing and a curse on Linux because they've been getting us a lot of cross-platform apps, but they're also not fully native apps. So what an Electron app is, is it's basically a web app. Now, Electron is a framework built on Chromium, which is the same engine that Google Chrome is built on. Um, mm -hmm. So Electron is basically Chromium without a GUI, and people can write programs in Chromium. Um, so Discord, for instance, I'm not going to open it right here because I don't know what server I'm in, but Discord is a an Electron app. So you've got Discord probably even on your Windows partition, right? Or your Windows hard drive? Yes. Yeah. But even on Windows, it's an Electron app. Um, so how that works is Chromium is cross-platform. And so when you open up Discord, whether you're on Windows or Linux or Mac, you open up Discord, you're basically opening up a stripped-down version of Chromium and then it's preloading Discord, and then it's styled to look like it's just a Discord window. But really, that's just a website in Chromium. Um, oh, okay. So this new version of Skype was really interesting because the old Skype that had not been updated for years and years, it was a native application, which means that it was written in like GTK, and it was actually running on your computer. The Skype for Linux Alpha that was released last year was a um, it was an Electron app, so. It was a web app. It was the Skype web put into an Electron wrapper so that you could use it on your Linux desktop, but you don't get things like desktop notifications. Now, some, like Discord, does desktop notifications. Um, the Skype for Linux, I don't think it did originally. I don't know if they ever added it to that alpha. But you don't get the full feature set, and it's um, some things don't work as well in a web browser as they do when they're a native application. So last year we had some people using the new Skype for Linux alpha Electron app, and then some people were still using the old Skype that had been not updated for a long time. So now that Microsoft is doing this new Skype, that's why I think it's, it's kind of strange. Like if they knew that they were going to discontinue Linux support, why would they have put out that Skype for Linux alpha last year? Do you think they knew uh, that they were going was, to drop Linux support? Well, I was going to say is maybe it was just a sudden change. Maybe, you know, the higher-ups were saying, like, you know what? Stop. It's we're like, uh, my idea is if if they're trying to go for a, a younger audience um, and obviously money, most big uh, big places won't go to Linux because they – Well, I, if I, they're trying I, I would to – I would bet there's – there's more younger kids on like a cheap laptop that got at Best Buy that runs like Windows 8. Right, and that cheap laptop's are... gonna run Linux about better than it runs Windows. Um, the point though, Probably, but, yeah. I do. I'm not sure exactly what I. Uh, you're you're bringing up why you think they dropped Linux. I was just asking how long. It doesn't seem like Microsoft really. You know, do you think that this new Skype? I mean, if you take a look at the website for this new Skype, do you really see anything about this that appeals to you? Um, uh, with like the stickers no. and the Snapchat and no, the... I, I've never really been involved with that kind of stuff. I just want. That's why I I, I use Discord. That's why yeah. I, I left Skype. There was just too much going. There was just too much crap on Skype. I just wanted 
a room for, for, for a person to be inside of that I can talk to them yeah. with a text box attached to the said room. And that's all Discord is, is a list of friends, a list of rooms, and then a text box. Like, that's that's right. all it is. And it's yeah. it's simple and it gets to the point, which is what, like, a gamers want or, like, like tech people want. They just want something that works. And Skype is trying to be this weird, like, social media thing where it you can make now. posts. And, yeah. Yeah. And... It, it and they slowly turned into that, and that's why like, like a large like portion of their of their player base, I, I should say player base, but like a user base left because it was just it turning into Facebook, and I don't want to be on Facebook. I just want to be in a chat room. Right. So they so, might have uh, figured. I, I guess if you're you're talking about audience, you know the people who are yeah, smart, yeah. You know, using it's, Linux might not want all this social crap built in. They probably mm -hmm. just want something. Yeah, they just to work. want something that works. At the same time, going for a different audience. It still would have been nice if they had continued making it for Linux. Obviously, absolutely. Because they say, yeah. um, how do they put it here? Um, Skype can be with you for all life's moments, no matter where the world takes you, on your favorite devices, to smart speakers, and beyond. Um, as long as your favorite devices don't run Linux. It kind of seems like if you're building a chat app in... Now, is this... I don't know if they're going to make this new Skype available for the web, because the old Skype had that Skype for web that you could use on Linux. It seems like in 2017, if, you, if you're building a chat application, you kind of have to make it available on every platform it does this even have a chance if it i'm not saying that not having linux support would kill it in microsoft's eyes but i kind of am saying that by not making it available for all major platforms they're not really putting their all into it it seems no i mean yeah, it, I, a lot of it was probably just a look at the numbers and seeing how many skype users are on linux yeah, and I mean, well, but how many it, Skype users are going it, to be on Linux when you don't update it for years and then release an alpha that's just a web app? Like they Yeah, it's it's sort of it's their it, own fault and they're third and they just maybe they don't want to try and and win back the audience over at Linux. I don't I, I yeah. don't know. And I mean, it's, Microsoft owns Skype at this point, so we can pretty much say that they care about Windows more than they care about Linux back when when Skype was yeah. not owned by Microsoft. Then I, you know, they had more of an incentive to actually be truly cross-platform. Now Microsoft is competing with Apple with iMessage and um, whatever Google's doing. But um, random yeah. dude in the chat room throughout message snooping. That's an, another interesting thing that Microsoft has changed. Is back um, when Microsoft bought Skype, Skype was peer-to-peer, -peer, which meant that when you were on a call with somebody, you were sending data directly between your computer and their computer. At this point. When you're making a call on Skype, you are sending it to Skype server and then to that other person. It didn't used to be like that. They added that server component within the last few years. Um, so yeah, it's. But then that also means that it's easier to do a web app because you've got a server component, and a web app obviously needs a server component. Um, so yeah, it's. I w I was surprised by this. Um, even though I know Microsoft isn't all in on desktop Linux, even though we talked about just a couple weeks ago how much Microsoft is investing in Linux on the server. Mm -hmm. I still personally was surprised that they would go out of their way. I mean, they're still making a Mac version. Um, and I know, I know Linux doesn't have as big of a user base, but when you think about the resources that Microsoft has, yeah, it's just surprising. It's almost like, yeah, it's, it's almost like it, it doesn't, matter how little it's like you they probably have enough people enough money enough time to do it yeah why i mean there's why there's you microsoft probably has more money than the top 10 linux distributions combined you'd think they would have the resources to put out a um 
I mean, and even the Electron app was better than nothing, really. Because mm-hmm. now if your friends are on Skype and you're on Linux, you just won't be able to get to them. And Now, I'm not sure if the old Skype for Linux versions will continue functioning at all, uh, because that not updated one functioned for years, and then it stopped functioning a couple months after they put out that alpha update. So I don't know if you're still going to be able to use that old Electron app. And there's always the chance they could go and add Skype support later because they don't say it's not being supported on Linux. They just conveniently didn't list Linux on the list on their promo page, but mm-hmm. doesn't bode yeah. well. Um, yeah, personally, I stopped using Skype a long time ago, but so it doesn't personally affect me, but I did want to talk about it. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so the next awesome. thing we're talking... Did you have any other thoughts on that? Nah, just... It, it's, it's just... It, it's just... Uh... A bummer, basically. Yeah. That's, a little that's bit. the end of it. Um, did you see the story about Windows 10s not allowing installation of, a, of of Linux distros? I uh, did see that story. When was that yeah. put out? That was the 25th. Uh, that was last week. Uh, that's why. Did we? Th- did we why on I didn't that? talk about it. But um, what site are you looking at it on? That's honestly doesn't sound like a huge deal to me because um first of all the the quote-unquote linux so that's not it, that means you can't do like the bash on ubuntu on windows thing that we talked about right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i mean in the first place that's just a developer thing that's not really something that you're running linux apps on um mm-hmm. secondly I, windows 10 s that's like the new version of windows 8 rt right where like you can only run things from the app store you can't so, install yeah, exe. It's, it's, like it's like a super stripped down. Yeah. Like, so I don't know. That's like, like a tablet or something. Yeah. That's doesn't really surprise or bother me that much. All right. So the next story that we're talking about this week is about another proprietary Linux program that is semi-popular, and it's called WPS Office. Now, Mark, have you found WPS Office? Have you tried this out? Uh, I haven't tried it out, but I'm. I'm pretty sure what it is. I'm guessing it's just what a lot of like Linux users use for Office documents or PowerPoints, Excel kind of stuff. I wouldn't even say a lot of Linux users. I tried this out once, probably oh, really? at, least three, at least three years ago. It was definitely further oh. back than three years ago. I tried it out once. My The thing with Linux users is most of us are okay with LibreOffice and, you know, or OpenOffice. Um, mm-hmm. So, and those who aren't usually just run Microsoft Office in Wine, or they run Microsoft Office in a virtual machine. I don't know who okay. all uses WPS Office. It ships by default on some like Chinese manufactured computers, um, so like super cheap stuff. But, but yeah, apparently gotcha. it's popular according to the news articles. So this week, WPS Office put out a tweet saying that they were ending their Linux version, which upset some people, and um, the backlash from people finding out that it ended was what clued me into apparently some people actually use this um, <laughs> and the thing is like WPS office okay. is free it's not open source though and so it's like if you can get an open source thing that does the same thing why not just use that um, even though this is free it's like the fact that it's proprietary in my mind always just means they're hiding something and LibreOffice is just like you can see all their code so I'm like that's safer to use that's just my personal why I use LibreOffice and why a lot of people use LibreOffice instead of WPS. But WPS does have a more modern interface if you look at it. It's uh, got sort of more like the Microsoft Ribbon, um, sort mm-hmm. of like the 2007 and up Microsoft Office. But yeah, so they put out yeah. a tweet. May 27th, they put out a tweet, and they were responding to somebody who asked, 
if uh, WPS Office would be updated on Linux because it's been a while since the last Linux release. It says it's it's been a whole year. Actually. Yeah, that is that is a while. I didn't realize it had been that long actually. But yeah, it has been a little bit since the last release. And somebody asked, "Hey, we gonna get an update?" Which is perfectly fine for people to do. And then they responded yeah. on Twitter about the Linux version. It's on a halt. Needs community builds. Needs so, community builds. And what needs community builds means is that they are... Now, is the... WPS is, is proprietary. It's not open source. So normally when somebody says it needs community builds, that means they're wanting the community to, get out, to go out and update it themselves. That sounds like what what they're trying to say when they say it needs community builds. But then how do you do that if you don't publish source code? I mm. actually didn't consider that until and right now when I was reading through maybe the Maybe they're going to? Hmm. Well, I don't think so. I don't see it. There's no source <laughs> code right now. That is a really strange thing to say and then not have a... Because, like, that's actually... That. I, I didn't even mean to bring this up. This wasn't something that I had prepared to talk about, but uh, or else I would have done a little research on what they meant by that. But, yeah, needs community builds is something I've heard before, but not from a proprietary project. But... So, yeah, at any rate, they tweeted, they said that it's on a halt, and that much is clear. That means that they weren't planning on updating the Linux version of WPS Office anymore. And um, the company who makes it is called Kingsoft, by the way. So, yeah, people freaked out about it. Um, I don't know if anyone really freaked out about it, but really in the comments of the article, I just got a whole bunch of people saying they use OpenOffice or LibreOffice. But one way or the other, a little bit later in the week, Kingsoft put out an announcement that said WPS Office for Linux will continue to be updated after all, and they they are blaming the media for what they call false reports. Um, false reports? Yeah, I so mean, there was, was a direct copy and paste of your tweet. <laughs> yeah, there was a post um, for the Office suite from the developers that said, news that the Office software was easing off Linux support is nothing more than, quote, false reports. Um, but yeah, like I said, that the entire story was based off of a tweet WPS put out. Here's a screenshot of the tweet. Yeah, right it's, here. Just, it's right and there. You can probably go on to like the Internet Archive or something and find mm -hmm. the tweet. It's at WPS underscore office is the, the account who tweeted it. And they were responding to at Angry Penguin PL. And uh, yeah, but then WPS deleted the tweet. So now it's one thing if you delete a tweet and you go back on what you said earlier. But it's another thing to just deny that it ever happened. So yeah, it's kind of weird. Uh, yeah, they, they could have just said like yeah. that was a, a false like statement by one of our employees, and yeah, they could have just said the social media saying, person. Uh, yeah, like maybe the person who was in charge of the tweet like wasn't aware of the actual plan, and but instead they said nope, it was false report by the media. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, so all right, it's not entirely clear if WPS Office like if it actually was an error for them to say that or if they decided. After they announced it, they saw how many people were upset, and they're like, you know what? There are a lot of Linux users using our software. We should probably keep updating this. And like, I imagine that that Kingsoft would be more invested in Linux than other companies might be, because if you're on Windows, you're going to be using Microsoft Office or LibreOffice. There's no reason at all to use WPS Office on Windows. So like, their Windows and Mac market share. Um, even though the Windows and Mac market share for WPS Office might even still be more than the Linux market share for WPS Office, it's probably a lower percentage of Windows users using their software than the percentage of Linux users using it because there's a greater demand for proprietary Office suites on Linux, apparently. 
it says here, I thought this was pretty interesting, um, that the company had deleted a number of tweets after that, including one in which uh, the reference making WPS Office for, for, for Linux open source on Tori's end of the year. Oh, yeah, um, let's see, where is that in the article? Oh, yeah, I see that, where it does say that. Um, right, so they say after they were going to open source it, then the community can step in and continue maintaining it. Boy, well... Yeah, so he said it's on halt, needs community builds, and then... And then they apparently... Then they cut that off immediately. Yeah. It said, nah, nope. No, no open source. They deleted the tweets that had any reference to that. That's really interesting. And, yeah, that that is interesting. How does WPS Office... I want to take a quick sidebar from the news right now. How does WPF Office make money? Like, where is their... Um, I'm going to go to their website real quick. Because mm. I'm, I'm really curious. If their software is free, they've got... They must have Are they, paid uh, versions. They must have paid versions, right? Are they supported by any other, like you know grandfather company or something like that like are they See, owned by any i mean any, kingsoft any, office anything? software is the company that's got the copyright yeah. at the bottom now all right so oems might pay kingsoft to include it on their hardware so like i said earlier some lower end like chinese manufacturers because kingsoft is a chinese company they um pay kingsoft because it wps office is not libre uh, and it's not open source, that means that you can only use it if they give you permission to. Even though it's free of cost, it might not be legal for OEMs to package it without Kingsoft's approval. So they might make some money there. Huh. But yeah, I'm, I'm just wondering why they wouldn't open source it. Like, what, what cause they would have to not open source it, especially if they were thinking about it, which if they were making statements that they were going to open source it, that kind of suggests that they're not hiding any big things in it that they would need to not be open source that kind of suggests that they have you know it's just an office suite but why would they not want to open source it if they're not making because normally the the reason people say they don't want to open source it is because they don't want people pirating it um if they're trying mm -hmm. to charge for it but huh. well it's going yeah, to continue it, to be made so it it says here at the bottom crossed wires or sudden realization that they have more Linux users than the thought matter because that that's That'd be quite hilarious if they didn't realize how popular they actually were until yeah. they said it was on halt and they realized how big the backlash was. I mean, sometimes, you know, when you think about it, you get a lot more negative feedback than you do positive feedback in any field. Absolutely. It's online reviews yeah. or comments on videos or anything. You're, yeah. uh, you're always going to get that. So just like, like the Linux Action Show, you know, when they, they were not getting hardly any community feedback for most of their episodes, then they said they were ending and they got 5,000 comments about how... Uh, how they were doing. So yeah, maybe WPS Office said they were going to discontinue Linux support, saw how many Linux users were using it. So yeah, it is still being updated for now. If for whatever reason you're not good with LibreOffice, I would still recommend LibreOffice to everyone. Um, the article on OMG Ubuntu also throws out something called OnlyOffice, and it's actually open source and uh, Libre too, and it is available for Linux. So maybe in a few weeks we'll do like an episode just on Office Suites. I don't know how exciting we could make that but yeah but yeah <laughs> so uh so that's wps office the next story that we're talking about is a new software update for linux and we've got a user in our chat room talking about this right now uh plasma 5.10 kde plasma 5.10 got released this week and i was pretty excited about this if i move my chrome window out of the way 
you can see that I am running 5.10. You can tell because of the um, wallpaper. Like I said last week, they changed the wallpaper with major releases. So yeah, um, Plasma 5.10 was released and it keeps to the KDE tagline, simple by default, powerful when needed. And that tagline was added fairly recently, but uh, that's their, their goal now, where they're trying to make it easier to use by default, but still keep all the configuration there. Um, so some new features in this. I don't know. Did you take a look at all the new features in here? There's a lot. Uh, of no, I was, I just realized there's a pop-up. Uh, there was a pop-up on my screen that was of talking about an update for Ubuntu. Yeah. Well, you're on like, Ubuntu now, On my actual you? desktop. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So said, if like, you were on Ubuntu. It just said, hey, 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 there's an update. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh. Okay. Um, but yeah, this new Plasma 5.10, it's got some new features in the panel task manager. So that's like your your taskbar. You can middle click windows to do things and you can set what it does in the example they give is grouping and ungrouping. So sometimes you want your windows grouped in your taskbar, sometimes you don't. So you can middle click to group and ungroup. Um, I'm just picking out, I highlighted some of the cooler features I thought there were. Fuller view is now the default desktop. Now, KDE has always been interesting because ever since I started using KDE, you actually could not place icons directly on the desktop, um, which you used hmm. to be able to do in GNOME. Now, GNOME 3, you can't do that. But back in GNOME 2, you could put icons on the desktop. KDE would not let you. But what KDE used to do is you would have a desktop folder widget where it's like a box floating on your desktop um, that's got your desktop icons just in a widget but not on the desktop. There has to be that widget there, and if you get rid of the widget, you can't put anything there. So um, KDE has changed to folder view is what they call it. Basically, they've made it so that you can actually put icons directly on the desktop, which I think is a pretty big deal. Now, it is only by default. It's not actually, um, like, I can't put icons on my desktop here. I was just checking there. Um, mm -hmm. So if you're already using KDE, then you don't have to worry about this changing how your desktop works or looks. But for new users, it's going to be more like Windows, basically, uh, because Windows and even Mac OS 2, you can drag icons to your desktop and they just appear there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and I, I read about, they've got a blog post just about spring loading. They put a whole lot of work into the user experience for managing icons on the desktop, which was really interesting. They went way further in depth than I thought you would have to go if you're making a desktop environment, but KDE likes to think every possible use case through, so that's really nice. Um, there's also yeah. some more new features. There's new media controls on the lock screen, um, so you can play and pause your music while on the lock screen. You can search. So KDE has this cool thing called KRunner, and uh, I don't know if you found this while you were using KDE for a brief time, but if you do Alt Spacebar, on your KDE system, you can see the right half of it on my screen in the uh, the video. You get this search bar, and you can type in file names, and it'll search your files, or you can type in program names and search all your programs. And now you can also search KRunner for programs that you don't have installed, and it will suggest that you install them from the KDE app store. Now, I'm hoping there's a way to turn that off. Well, there's got to be, because it's KDE and everything is configurable. Um, because personally, on Arch, I don't use any app store. I install things on the terminal. I don't use the KDE app store. If I used GNOME, I would not use GNOME Software Center. Um, but if you're on, like, Kubuntu or uh, KDE Neon or um, OpenSUSE, or if you're on any platform that uses the KDE Software Center, then having that built into KRunner might be useful. You know, if you search for LibreOffice, but you don't actually have it installed, just get a little install button right there. 
the security of the lock screen architecture got reworked and simplified to ensure that your system is secured when the screen is locked. And that's interesting because screen lockers on Linux are actually harder to do than you'd think. I've read some developer blogs from KDE developers talking about the problems you can have with screen lockers um, because the like I was talking about a couple weeks ago the X uh, the X.org display server was not designed with desktop security in mind so it's kinda hacky any time you're putting like a lock screen or anything and there there are sometimes ways around that so they have reworked the security and uh, made it more secure basically and they, they don't go into detail right here but the dev blogs do if you read those and there are lots of them. Uh, when a window is not responding anymore on the new Plasma version, it gets darkened to indicate that you can't interact with it anymore. So already, um, they had a feature where if a window locks up, you get a box that says, this application is not responding, and it had the end task button. Um, personally, sometimes that works, sometimes I still have to kill it from the terminal, but it's nice that they're trying to make it more graceful when apps crash there. Um, so yeah, now you also get a visual indicator of the darkening of the window. And then um, the audio volume applet has a menu that you can use to set different devices as default right there in your audio applet, uh, which is really nice if you deal with a lot of different audio devices. Like I've got my microphone there, I've got a mic on my headset, microphone built into my laptop. You know, sometimes programs aren't sure which one to use, so just having a button right there in the, the applet in the taskbar to be able to set one as default is really nice. Uh, there's improved touchscreen support, which I'm really excited about. They've been working on the virtual keyboard a lot, and um, I personally don't have a tablet computer right now, but KDE is in the background, just kind of on the back burner. They are working on a phone version, so it'd be really cool to have really? KDE on a phone eventually. Yeah, um, yeah. They've, they've been working on it for a little while, and it's nowhere near. They're not telling people to try it out yet, but they are working on it, so mm -hmm. I get excited whenever I see stuff about touchscreen support. Um, That's interesting. They are still working on porting KDE to the new graphics layer, Wayland, as I was just talking about. And, uh, yeah, so they've got some new features for Wayland in the new KDE release. There is a new splash screen selection area. And you can already go to your system settings and set your splash screen on KDE, but now there's an area you can go and download new ones from a community gallery of possible splash screens. Now, have you ever customized your splash screen? On any operating like, system? Uh, I have, I but like no. a long, like it, I was really bored when I got around to customizing my splash screens. Like I, I had an iPod, <laughs> I had an iPod touch yeah. that I jailbroke and made it so that instead of the Apple, when you turn it on, it did like other icons. Um, and like back when I was using windows, I figured out how to like change the windows Vista startup to use a different picture instead of the windows logo. Um, really, KDE, cool. it's just a feature. You don't have to hack it. it. It's just a feature to change your splash screen, but you can download yeah. more. And uh, yeah, and then the new KDE Software Center. Now, I was just talking about how I don't use the KDE Software Center because I use Arch, and I don't think the Software Center installs Arch packages. However, this is really cool. In the future, I might actually be able to use the KDE Software Center because the Software Center, it's called Discover. And KDE Discover has gained provisional backends for Flatpak and Snappy. And those are some of those universal package formats that I've been talking about these past few weeks, where it's one package format you can install on any computer, no matter what distro you're using. Um, Arch, Ubuntu, Fedora. If you've got, you know, for Snappy, you have to install 
snaps. Um, you have to install the snap application, and then you can install and use any program package in a snap. Same with Flatpak. And then um, I'm wondering if they're going to make that support AppImage, because AppImage is like Mac programs where you don't even have to install it. You just run it. But yeah, Flatpak and Snappy are the two more secure options, and it is really cool that I might be able to install software from that software center, because I've always been confused about like GNOME software, KDE Discover, these new um, desktop environment software centers have not always been around. They're relatively new. You used to have different software centers based on what distro you're on mainly, and Ubuntu had their Ubuntu software center, um, OpenSUSE had their own kind of thing, and yeah, with these new, like the GNOME software, KDE Discover, we need them to use these universal package formats or else it's just kind of pointless because a lot of the distros out there aren't using the Ubuntu repositories. And then finally, Discover also has support for GNOME's open desktop ratings, uh, replacing the old Ubuntu desktop uh, application ratings. When you're in the KDE Software Center, that means it will now share the reviews with the GNOME Software Center. That's a really good thing because, um, you know, not enough people are using KDE and maybe not even people enough using GNOME by themselves to form enough reviews to really get a reputable idea of a program's worth, like, you know, the star count and people can leave comments on programs. But if these different software centers are sharing their reviews, that's really valuable because we're pulling all of our effort together and that way you can read all of the reviews that you want to see. So yeah, uh, that was a whole lot of Jacob talking. I really like KDE, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh... That was great. This seems like just one huge, just like uh, quality of life update. It's a lot of small things that y y you look at and go, "Oh, that was nice that I have that yeah. now." Yeah, um, I, I love it when KDE yeah. gets updated. And I, like I said, I do read the developer blogs, so it's cool watching them talking about like what they had to do to get some of this stuff done. There is a promotional video. We're not going to play it on stream, but there is a video there. Um, on their website if anyone wants to check that out. It just talks about the new features in this 5.10 release. <clears throat> and then there was um, another desktop environment that also got updated this week. And it is yeah, called... I was just looking at that. It, was, it looked pretty impressive. Yeah, it is called Enlightenment. And uh, Enlightenment is... Have you seen this anywhere else or was this news story the first time you've seen this? I've never even heard of the this particular environment. Okay. Um, Enlightenment yeah. is... I think it's a really cool desktop environment. It is very lightweight, and it is not tied to GTK or Qt. It has its own um, toolkit. Enlightenment has its okay. own toolkit that it uses, and all of the <clears throat> default Enlightenment applications use this Enlightenment toolkit, as well as a very few, a very small amount of other applications. But yeah, Enlightenment is a very lightweight environment, and it... It's got uh, just a bar at the bottom by default. It is fairly configurable. Um, it's got simple menus, and yeah, it's. I, I'm not going to go too far into it because I don't even know about a lot of the features. I have used Enlightenment before, um, not for more than a couple weeks at a time, but um, it is a, a definitely a cool desktop if you're looking for something lightweight, especially, and it doesn't look too shabby either. It is also very themable. So yeah, um, the Enlightenment project announced earlier this week the release and immediate availability of Enlightenment 0.21.8. Now, Enlightenment has been around for quite a while, and they're still at version 0.21. Um, so they're not even saying that they're totally stable yet, but they're just about as stable as um, 
a lot of other desktops out there, a lot of other smaller desktops. Yeah, I was just seeing here that their entire development team is th of three people. Yeah, it's a really small project, and it's really yeah. cool that these three people made an entire... Do you know how many people go into making KDE? Like, there are a I'm lot sure of people. I'm and, sure it's a lot more than yeah, three. Yeah, Enlightenment I mean, does what they do with three people. That that, it is really awesome. The three people are uh, Mike Blumenkrantz, Alpool, and Karsten Heitzler. And, uh, yeah, those are the three developers of Enlightenment. A total of 72 code changes are included in Enlightenment 0.21.8. Uh, this is a little after two months past the last release. And, uh, yeah, they fixed a lot of bugs, especially with keyboard settings, X Wayland, and uh, other components. So even Enlightenment switching to Wayland, everybody's going to have to eventually. So, yeah, there is a full change log that you can read on the Enlightenment website. And it actually, it's funny, it lists uh, Alpool did four of the changes, Karsten did three of the changes, and then uh, 65 of those came from Mike. So <laughs> I wonder who's in charge. Yeah, I wonder. Uh, shout out to Mike there, Mr. Maybe Mr. those changes were of differing sizes. You know, maybe it was yeah. like Al, well, you yeah. take these four huge ones. Karsten, you take these two really yeah. huge things, and Mike, you take these these little things that we just don't have time to focus on. Yeah, that could have been it. Or Mike is just a monster with his development, and he just yeah. tore through their. Of their workload <laughs> yeah the website is enlightenment.org if anyone is interested in taking a look at enlightenment and um it's definitely not a it's not not what i would call a first world desktop environment like if you know what i mean we've got these like first class desktop environments where it's like gnome kde mate and these are the desktops that everybody's using everybody you know the whole community's centered around them but then there's this second level of them where it's like LXQT and Enlightenment and um, a bunch of other ones that I don't even know a whole lot of them because I don't use them day to day, but they're really cool. They are there if you're looking for an alternative desktop environment. And uh, yeah, it's really fun to just try out one of those smaller ones every now and then. Yeah, it's definitely worth noting. I mean, I think they need support more than ever. Yeah. You know, having I mean, a team of th uh, a three people, yeah. like, it, it's good to see that they're they have so much passion for it, uh, that they're willing to put in this much work into something not a lot of people use and absolutely it, it, yeah. it'll be great to see like which ones will spring up to the top with like the more like uh a widely used distros and which ones get support and yeah like a and help from like a larger company possibly and you know, who the, knows not everybody who's making a desktop even wants to be the number one used desktop some people are just happy having an alternative thing um if mm -hmm. you do want to try out enlightenment personally i've used it on a distribution called MacPup, and it is it's based off of Puppy Linux, but it's got Enlightenment on it is the difference. Um, if you go to the Softpedia article that we will link in our show notes, there are some people who talk about a couple of uh, other um, distributions that do ship this by default. A fairly popular one called Bodhi Linux um, used an older version of Enlightenment, and they, they ended up forking that older version rather than updating. But then there's also uh, another distro called Aleve, that uses Enlightenment as their default desktop. So yeah, there are some smaller distros out there using this, especially if you are using this on an older computer. Now there is one known bug that the Softpedia article made note of. If you're using the Linux 4.11 kernel series, then there there is a quote issue that occurs when running su or sudo commands. An issue that occurs. 
you know, I use sudo commands about every single day. So I'd like to know what the issue is. Like, is <laughs> yeah. it is it like my screen flickers or is it like my computer crashes? Because, you know, um, yeah, that. I Be so nice so if you're using the 4.11 kernel, if you're using a different kernel version, then you'll be fine. Obviously, that'll differ between different people. But yeah, enlightenment.org, and yeah, the release notes will be linked in the show notes. All right, and next up, we're talking about another smaller project that is going through some changes right now. DistroWatch reports that the True OS project is creating a new stable branch in addition to their current rolling release unstable branch. Um, so have you heard of TrueOS? Probably not. It's fairly nope. new. <laughs> All right. Um, well, it's okay. not new, but the name is new. Have you heard of BSD? BSD? Yeah, BSD. Um, I don't think so. All right. So Mark is here about a month into using Linux, and he I'm already explaining what BSD is. So Linux is the kernel, right? And then you've got, like, the GNU tools and KDE and everything goes on top of the Linux kernel. Okay. So BSD is an alternative kernel that you can use instead of Linux. Oh, okay. um, and some people use it now. The reason why it's not very one of the reasons why it's not very popular is if you think that software support is bad on Linux, let's make a guesstimate that about twenty percent of all software that's available for Windows is available on Linux. Okay, so then sure. about twenty percent of all software available for Linux is available for BSD. So uh, it does not yeah, seem like a, a good um, place to be. Yeah. So BSD <clears throat> it stands for Berkeley Software Distribution, and it, it's one of the oldest Unix distributions in existence um and i think it might actually even be older than linux but it had licensing issues a long time ago and so um richard stallman didn't want to use that and neither did uh linus torvalds so you know linux came about eventually but yeah bsd is still around i this is not an episode about bsd maybe we'll do an episode about bsd eventually but like the number one used desktop distribution of bsd was called pcbsd and it's based on the most popular distribution called FreeBSD. Uh, but PCBSD was based on top of that. And then PCBSD, they thought that their name was a little too much alphabet soup, so they changed their name recently to TrueOS. Now, I think that PCBSD was a better name because it explains what they are better than TrueOS. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah um, TrueOS is what it's called now, and they, they have been a rolling release since they made the name change. Back when they were PCBSD, they would make a major update like every six months. All right. Then they changed to TrueOS, and then it's just every time we get an update, we're pushing it out right now, constantly, um, just like something like Arch Linux. But mm-hmm. now um, it's on the TrueOS blog. You can go and read about it too. There is going to be a stable release every six months, in addition to the unstable, which will continue to be the quote cutting edge experimental rolling release track so if you've been using TrueOS long enough that you remember the name change then the stable version is basically going back to what pcbsd was for a long time and if you like where TrueOS was headed then you can stick with the unstable branch but yeah not a whole lot to talk about there it's just interesting yeah all right <laughs> that's yeah, it huh not too bad <laughs> not too bad um Almost finished here. We got a couple more stories. Ubuntu 17.10 will be keeping the Amazon Web App uh, because why not? Apparently, so when <laughs> Ubuntu, when when GNOME 3 
happened, and Ubuntu mm-hmm. stopped using GNOME and started using Unity. They also did some other interesting things, such as pre-bundling Amazon as a web app with every installation of Ubuntu. And it's not like it's that bad of a thing. Like, you can just not click on the icon. It's literally just a shortcut to open up the Amazon website. But it's like something you would get. It's like crapware on a PC. Like, you buy a Windows computer and it's going to have an Amazon link on the desktop. Why are we shipping that with Ubuntu now? So it, it just is, didn't make a... Now, I think I think Amazon was paying Ubuntu to do that. I'm sure. And I'm sure Ubuntu was like, okay, cool. Let's yeah. do it. Um, now, here's the interesting thing. So... The Amazon Web App in Ubuntu, it was a web app where you open up Amazon and it's it's a web browser, but it doesn't have like the URL bar. It's just like, it looks like a web app, right? Like an Electron mm-hmm. app where it's the website yeah, and it's a title just bar. Amazon. Just yeah. Amazon, nothing just else. Just Amazon. So yeah, they are yeah. just abandoning all pretenses with this next version and it literally just opens up in a tab in Firefox. Oh, okay. It's just okay. a shortcut. It's you, just a shortcut. The reason Thanks for the shortcut. I appreciate it. The reason why the reason why they can't do the web app anymore is because the web app was actually a web app framework that they were making for Ubuntu Touch, which has been discontinued. Oh. So now okay. they they have to the they don't have a web app framework anymore. They have to open it up in Firefox now. Like Chromium does have the web app thing going on. And I, th- I think you can do something similar with Firefox where you, like, um, let's see, what is it in, in Chromium? Um, add to desktop. Yeah, so have you done this before in Google Chrome or Chromium where you add a web page to your desktop and then it opens up where it's just that page? I've used it, like, for, like, uh, I need to remember where this particular article or thing is, and I'll keep it there, but I don't have, like, them all the time okay. on but I'll, I'll, I'll use it for just like i need to remember where this is i can't lose this so i'll always put it on my desktop hmm. yeah back when i used windows like years ago i haven't used this in a long time but i used to actually like i had facebook saved as a chrome web app and i had like oh, okay. twitter saved as a chrome web app where i would open yeah, it up i don't i don't do that for like things i normally go to but yeah. i'll keep it for just like especially like oh no don't lose this this web page or url yeah but it's like they could do something like that with amazon they could put it they could literally use electron they could make an electron amazon web app i guess that's bundling mm-hmm. more stuff in when it's like way less space on the iso to just use yeah, the yeah. shortcut but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this is also the writer of this article is happy about it because obviously they're in the UK because it's omgubuntu.co.uk. Um, before there was no way with with Ubuntu's web app functionality, there was no way to detect your location, so it would always open up Amazon for the United States, no matter where you are. Oh. So now that it's opening in Firefox, Firefox is smart enough to prompt you to send the website your location so that it can open up the proper version. Gotcha. So if you're outside of the United States, then it will open up the correct Amazon from okay. now on. So that's that's good. It's, that's really cool. It's an improvement in that sense. But, I mean, that's just a Firefox feature that is a result yeah. of... It's another it's, result it, of Unity it, ending, but it's just... It's nice that people outside of the U.S. don't have to constantly go, oh, okay, before I can even use the website, I have to go to my own, like... That's just kind of a bummer. Nobody in the U.S. Small, uses it, this, it, it, nobody uses a shortcut, though. If I want to go to Amazon, I'm just going to type in Amazon anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess. I guess but, maybe they're putting too much thought into it. But it is, like, for the few people who did use it, if there were some, 
I would kind of be a little annoyed, like every time I open it, like, oh, I, I, again, I don't live in the U.S., yeah. so let's change this. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's happening. And by the way, one of the problems people had with Unity for a while was when you opened up the dashboard and started searching for files and programs on your system, it would also send everything you were typing to Amazon and return relevant Amazon results, which people viewed oh. as a privacy infringement because if I'm searching yeah. for files on my local hard drive, I don't want all of that search going to Amazon. So there was a way to turn it off, but by default it was doing that. And uh, Ubuntu even said they were going to stop doing it, and then they didn't stop doing it when they said they would. And so then, you know, yeah, that, that was there, the whole thing. There should have been a thing like, uh, I don't know, maybe like a prompt, like the first time you opened up yeah. Ubuntu saying like, hey, this is what this app does. Do you want that to happen? Mm -hmm. Like put it in the installer or something. Yes or no. That's it. And but yeah, like, that um, well, that also leads into Amazon was paying Ubuntu for that publicity. Yeah, I was sure it was like we'll give you this check with this number on if you just slap Amazon onto yeah. your bar. And like okay, maybe like, maybe after Ubuntu and maybe after Canonical slims down and opens up to the public and gets stockbrokers, they won't need Amazon to pay them anymore, and they can remove maybe, the shortcut. Maybe maybe that'll happen. Absolutely. Um, yeah. The last story we want to talk about this week is the OwnCloud Conference 2017 announced for September 20th to 23rd in Germany. And me and Mark will not be attending this convention here, but it is happening. And you know the reason I threw this in the in the show this week? Why? Is because Why? I was really surprised. I didn't realize they were having this. I don't know who's still using OwnCloud because NextCloud... It says before. 200 people from all corners of the world are expected to well, attend right, the conference. Right. I don't want to put down the conference. That's actually, considering they're having it in Europe and it's an open source project conference, 200 people, I guess it's a little slow, but it's, it's not horrible. Like, it's, it's not like 20. It is cool that they're able to have it. Yeah, it's just cool. interesting that the open... I'm sorry, the own cloud company is still putting on these conventions when 90% of the developers moved on to NextCloud years ago, as well as 90% of their users. Um, oh. I'm surprised there's enough people for them to fund this kind of, of conference, but apparently there maybe, are. Like this maybe conference. what they're going to do at this conference is going to make everyone come back. Um, I mean, they've been doing this for four years, so that was going to be part of the, um, part of the story here. So this is the fourth time this convention has happened. And uh, this is the 2017 <laughs> convention. Anyone who is interested, has worked with, or plans to use OwnCloud is welcome to attend. It is free to attend. There are no entry fees aside from paying away to Germany, obviously. And uh, yeah, there are sponsors. So companies are sponsoring this thing. So like if Nerd on the Street wanted to sponsor them, we would go pay for a sponsorship. And then the Nerd on the Street logo could be somewhere at the OwnCloud conference gotcha um so there are companies who value own cloud enough or at least who value the advertising space that own cloud provides enough to sponsor their convention and uh mm -hmm. yeah if anyone out there listening to the show uses own cloud or even probably next cloud they you know it's the same thing at this maybe kind of mostly the same thing at this point um you can go to own cloud's website and suggest your topic for a conference or suggest your workshop for the hands-on days, the conference uh, or the convention, what's it called? It's called a conference, um, but it consists of two days of quote-unquote conferencing and then three days of hacking and hands-on. Um, so, yeah, three days of workshops. And, yeah, you can go and suggest what you think people should do there if you've got something cool you're doing with OwnCloud. Yeah, I just – the news here for me is that OwnCloud is still a, a presence in the corporate environment. So – 
it's cool. I like the competition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm I would I I I've always thought like when I see any sort of conference like this, I always hope that they realize it's twenty seventeen and it'd be and it's a good idea to stream this thing somewhere. Like, oh, it, you know, they stream like it Yeah. It's the conference. Like that that's something that needs to happen for almost like any like that, conference or normally, event. Like, it, it, yeah. With something because then they'll go from two hundred people right. to two hundred thousand. Yeah. Like it's, it's so with the the <clears throat> the talks and stuff that are being given. When you're talking about a really big convention, the big companies mm-hmm. are giving you. You probably like follow a lot of gaming conventions because you're a gamer. Um, the companies throwing those have a lot of resources to stream. Now, when you're talking about open source projects. You know, I don't know if OwnCloud is going to have the resources to stream every single room. Now, they probably don't have a lot of different things going at once, so maybe they can. Usually, the things that happen at open source conferences are recorded. Um, If not live streamed, they're usually recorded. Now, like, the audio quality is not always excellent, but um, (laughs) but yeah, I think they probably will record and possibly stream. Uh, we, We should look into that. Let's see here. So... When did I say it was happening? September 20th to 23rd. So we got a while to yes. wait before we see that. But right. We got a while. It's yeah. been announced. It would be nice to see that. Yeah. yeah. So that cool. is all of the news for this week. We are going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about Mark's first week with a full bare metal Linux installation. <laughs> Meanwhile, Gnome announced the new recipes application on 3.24. Oh, a what? Gnome added a, a, an application for keeping track of your kitchen recipes. Oh. So that's what they're doing. <laughs> While Katie is making their phone version. Gnome's over there working on recipes. Uh, Alright. I might stick this at the end of the episode if we run short. I'm actually I made a big change to how I'm using my desktop. You just broke this. <laughs> yeah. Alright, so can you see my desktop now? I can. Alright, so if you'll notice I took away the taskbar at the bottom and I replaced it with this dock. And I also have a dock on the other screen now. Um, uh-huh. so I was having some issues with KDE and I actually almost switched off of KDE. I installed LXQT, went into that. It didn't have a network manager pre-installed. So I was like, screw that. Went back into KDE. I installed mate and I booted into mate. Also didn't have a network manager pre-installed. So I booted back into KDE and decided to stick with it. But I wanted to make a big change to my workflow because clearly something that I'm doing is causing all of these glitches and bugs because not everybody who uses KDE runs into all of the crashes that I do. And it, most of it has to do with desktop effects, crashing things. Mm-hmm. So I disabled most of my desktop effects. I, as you can see, I don't have wobbly windows running right now. Um, and I also, I, I completely took virtual desktops out of my workflow for the first time since like 2010. I've took virtual desktops out of my workflow, or probably like 2012, probably. Um, I've been using virtual desktops for a long time, like since I discovered them. I was like, this is the best thing ever. Um, but now that I've got this big 4K monitor and I've got a 1080p screen right next to it, the need for uh, virtual desktops isn't as great as it used to be for me. And also, mm-hmm. a few weeks ago, I found this dock, and this is called Latte Dock. I think we might have talked about it on the show within the past few weeks, um, or maybe not. But yeah, Latte Dock is this thing. It's actually built on KDE, so it's built specifically for KDE, in fact. This is actually a KDE panel but it acts as a dock and it zooms in like the mac os dock it looks all pretty it's not quite as configurable as i'd like it to be but they have been adding options with every update and so i took out my virtual desktops 
the only desktop effect I have now is hitting my thumb button on my mouse goes to a complete overview of all of my applications like this. I'm not exactly showing the audience what I'm talking about. So this is like my two screens that I've got and I can do an overview of all of my applications and this is the the flyout thing but like I don't have the top left corner open all my virtual desktops anymore and I've just got this dock at the bottom of the screen and I'm still sort of getting used to some of it like uh, minimizing and when there's multiple windows of the same application but but yeah I just decided to try something completely different out mm -hmm. and uh, yeah alright everyone so last weekend Mark installed Linux on his computer on an actual hard drive on the bare metal and he has Linux installed now he's been using it a mm -hmm. little bit side by side with his Windows installation and uh, yeah, we're going to talk about, why don't you just give us a tease of, of what it's been like so far, Mark? <laughs> it's been interesting. It's been fun. I've had a lot of problems, so we're going to address So here. we're going to talk about yeah. some of the problems here coming up in a minute. First, though, I do want to let you all know about the Nerd on the Street Nerd Club. And hey, Mark, you heard about the Nerd Club? I have. It's a pretty cool place. Yeah, it is a pretty cool <laughs> place. The Nerd on the Street Nerd Club is our way that you can give back to us if you like what we're doing here on rolling release and elsewhere in nerd on the street you can join the nerd on the street nerd club uh you can sign up on patreon and it's three dollars a month to be a part of the nerd club and uh by being part of the nerd club you do several things first of all you help us make videos like this one um, we actually do put some time and effort into these things and uh, we'd like to put more time and effort into them and we need money to do that so yeah, over at nerdclub.nots.co, you can find all of the information. When we get to uh, $100 per month, then we're going to take all of the advertisements off of our videos. Even right now, though, if you're a Nerd Club member, the banner ads on the website go away when you log in. So that's at least some ads that you won't have to see anymore. Um, the Nerd Club also includes access to the live stream DVR. So sometimes me and Mark have conversations in this live stream that don't make the final cut of the episode. And they are, they are like the valuable conversations, right? They're <laughs> yeah, the most action-packed conversations. So um, you want to hear that kind of stuff, and you want to do that by being a Nerd Club member, and then you can go to our website, go to the live stream DVR, and watch all of the old recordings. So you also get access to the members-only area of the website. You can talk to other Nerd Club members. And we also have a, an exclusive Discord role, if you're into that kind of thing. Mark's into the Discord yeah. roles, right? Yeah. He's uh, a... Yeah big fan of those and then we also do occasionally send merchandise out to our nerd club members so uh yeah all of that stuff is really cool if you don't want to join through patreon for some reason let's say that you don't want a monthly commitment but you want to get back to nerd on the street maybe i'm about to solve a problem for mark that you've been having yourself for a long time and you want to say thank you for jacob showing you how to fix that uh maybe you haven't known how to install chromium for months and then you're going to learn how to on this very episode um, go to yeah. nerdclub.nots.co. You can also join prepaid. It's $18 for six months or $36 for 12 months. We just do the simple math. There's no like better deal with this or that. You know, you can pick whichever way is most convenient for you. And uh, yeah, we want to give a huge thank you to all of our Nerd Club members for supporting Nerd on the Streets. All right. Uh, so with that, Mark, we're going to switch over to your desktop now. And you've been using Linux. All right. So, Mark, um, you're using Linux now. How has it been? It's been pretty cool. Um, uh, it's very different from what I'm used to. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm slowly getting there. I I keep trying to do things that I don't know how to do and problems I don't know how to fix. But hmm. that's all right. <laughs> um, so yeah, I know you were having issues getting Chromium installed for a while. You were having issues with the GNOME software center not working, right? 
Yeah, which it just magically started working now All without right. a, a, a difference in in the way I used it. But it's good to hear. Um, it, now, I do if, see... If it continues to work, why I not? do see right now you're in Chromium, and do you want that big title bar at the top, or would you rather have it be like Chrome on Windows like, where it's... This, this yeah. thing right here, this giant, uh -huh. yeah, that, I would like to go away. All right, I, uh, yeah, I'll... go ahead and open up your menu. Okay, that's this thing. No, 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 the Chromium menu, sorry. Chromium menu? Yeah, open up that Chromium menu. This is the three dots on the right side. Three dots, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that one, that one. That's what you Go meant. to your options. All right, all right. Or settings. Right. Yeah. And under appearance, click, uh, unclick use system title and borders. Uncheck that there. Ooh, there, there you go. go. Yeah. I like that. So that's a little bit better there. Um, you can yeah. use classic theme if you want it to be blue at the top, but I personally prefer using the GTK Plus theme mostly. So yeah, there's that. And then uh, what were you going to say next? I can't get any sort of .deb that I download to work. All right. Um, so one of the .debs I see you've got is Google Chrome Stable. Yeah. So let's try doing that one. Right-click on that. Okay. And click Open with Software Install. Open with Software Install. And it brings me here every right. time. So click Install. Yeah. Just doesn't do anything, huh? Yep. This is where I've been since last okay. week. All right. For every single deb. All right. Um, close out of that. And open up the software center. Okay. Bam. All right, and I want you to search for G Deb, all one word, I. Deb. Deb I. Yeah, search for that. G Deb Deb I. It's nothing coming up. This is what happened whenever um I tried to look up uh, on Chromium. I would like. I'm typing in the search bar, and then it would just go blank, and, okay. it, and nothing would, would change. Now, yeah, now, so I... That's why I was so so excited whenever it worked just 10 minutes ago when I searched for Chromium. Yeah. Because um, it, it doesn't make any sense. So I don't use GNOME, and I don't use the GNOME Software Center, but did you did you did get Synaptic installed last week, right? Did I get Synaptic installed? Search your system menu for Synaptic. Oh, hey, GDI, oh. right there. Whoa. What? <laughs> <laughs> Gnome, but, <laughs> what are you doing? Why do people use Gnome? I do, why why are uh, the you search trying? term isn't even there anymore? Why is it why is it still here? Why does Gnome exist? Um go ahead and <laughs> click on GDevI and uh, click install on that right there. Oh, okay. Is this gonna be all start out? Yeah, alright. So cool. GDevI is a package installer made just to install devs. Um so it should do better at installing devs in the software center. Alright. Cool, cool. Good to know. Um, Random Dude asks, why not use the D package? Because that's terminal, and Mark wants something with a mouse, which is perfectly fine. I just want a mouse, man. I just want to play my music. Um, all. all right, so don't launch it, but go back to don't your folder. It. And okay, right-click on Google Chrome Stable and open with Other Application. Okay. And GDebby. Okay, select. All now right. we're over here. And after that gets done loading up there, you can click install. install and you package. can say, the nice thing about GDevI, it said requires the installation of four packages. So GDevI, it uses dpackage in the, or it uses system package managers in the background. So it will install the dependencies that you need for you. And uh, so as you can see, installing dependencies, dependencies are the packages that this one depends on. And if you open up that terminal, you can actually see exactly what it's installing. Um, yeah, go ahead and do uh, it. Yeah, so it, it installed libindicator2, libappindicator1, um, 
and two other things. Now it's downloading Chromium or uh, Chrome. Just Google Chrome. Package was installed, mm -hmm. so you can click close at the bottom right now. And now if you go into your system menu and search Chrome, you should just have Google Chrome. And it's that's proprietary. So, but uh, yeah, I was I was only gonna use it because I uh, I was trying to get a Chrome. Open to it work. up just to see that it works. But uh, yeah, because like er, er, earlier, like uh, last week, I was um, sitting there trying to uh, search. Did you for just Chrome not uncheck send statistics to Google? Oh, You're I didn't read sheep. that. Come on. Uh, oh, what did it say? I, it said I didn't send read statistics it. and analytics to Google, or send crash statistics oh, and analytics at least. Yeah, and you oh. didn't uncheck it. The other one was make yeah, it your well, default desktop. If I would have cut that out. <laughs> um, so yeah, there is Google Chrome though. Um, so you can do the same thing with Google should. Play Music at this point. Now, before you do that though, I do want to introduce you to Synaptic. Um, open up Synaptic. If you've got yeah, it installed. I'm pretty sure I I'm pretty sure I had that installed. And it's I not as pretty. Was, it's admittedly no, not it wasn't as pretty, but, but I, it works better. So um, That's not my password. <laughs> Come on. Nope. Oh my goodness. Random dude's angry I'm, I'm at you a... for using a mouse. Or he says you're an average Joe. You're not cool. <laughs> I'm an average <laughs> you're an Joe. average Joe <laughs> using your mouse. Um, and they so send analytics to Chrome. Just search yeah. Google in there, because Google Play Music desktop. Mine or might not be in the repository. It, maybe it's not, but well, I don't, I don't know if spaces will work. Let me. Why am I in the? Get me out of here. I don't know. You went in there. <laughs> no, it's not. All right. What? I I did not mean you should make it all one word. I said you should just search for Google and see if anything whatsoever shows up. All right. Um. Yeah. All right. So there's not. Yeah. Scroll through there. Mm -hmm. Go down to the G area go to google google okay google box google android google so you can see now that you've got chrome installed before if you search synaptic for google chrome it would not show up now that you've got it installed and the repository is added to your system it shows up because synaptic searches all of your repositories mm -hmm. um, this is the uh, where i would say google play all right it's not there all right so go ahead and install the dev that's fine all right um so Mark was looking at the Google Play desktop music player because he has a subscription to Google Play Music, uh, which is really cool. I personally, like I said last week, I purchase all my MP3s outright, but Mark uses subscriptions for that. Um, so yeah, as you can I see... I actually use this particular desktop app on Windows. I oh, didn't really? know it was it was compatible for Linux. So you use that same one? I, That's really cool. Yeah, I, yeah. I had no like whenever you uh, uh, you linked it, I was like, I don't think this is gonna work. And you know what's cool? Like... Look at the description: an electron wrapper for Google Play Music. Now you know what an electron wrapper is. Yeah, done. So yeah, that'll install. And uh, what other issues have you been having? My other one was it, it's pretty <laughs> simple. I one. just I... <laughs> it's <a> short episode. <laughs> I I I, uh, I didn't want to tackle it until after I. Fi uh, I finished this because I wasn't sure if it was going to be a problem or not either. Um, right. I, I, I just needed to get uh, on drivers installed for my 1080 Ti because oh. currently it, it's not like being able to be used by yeah. by the computer yet. So, um, so you're 1080 just, what now? Um, um, I, I said 1080 Ti, but that was not what I have. I have a normal 1080. Okay. But, um, no, but so that's your graphics card. Is your yes. display currently plugged into your graphics card? Yes. All right. So you're using the open source driver right now, and you want the proprietary one, is what I'm hearing, which is fine. Yeah, because okay. that, that's that, that'll be what 
like you get the best performance. I'm using I'm using the proprietary NVIDIA driver on my computer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what you can do on Ubuntu now on Arch, you just install the thing from the AUR. On Ubuntu, mm -hmm. open up your system settings. System settings. Okay. And I think you can get to that from the top right, or you can search. Um, okay. So go to. Let's see here. Just search Ubuntu for additional drivers. Search the menu for additional drivers. Because that's what, it, that's what it's called on Ubuntu proper. Ubuntu, no, it might not be built into the system settings. All right, hang on. Let me uh, let me Google this one real quick. I'm, I'm actually start paging it for the record. Um, do you think I, I could just go to NVIDIA's website and grab their, uh, their experience? You can. Their... Well, they don't have the experience, but they have a driver on their website. But that might not get auto-updates. So let me Google or Ubuntu GNOME NVIDIA driver. I would like to get auto updates if I can yeah. somehow set that up because that's quite nice, especially being a gamer. Having it always up to date all the time is very important. Check out the recipes app. Thanks, random dude. I'll make sure I check out the recipes app. You're using Gnome. <laughs> You're asking for it. I mean, I I do cook a bit, so why not? I'll I'll check it out. See if it's good. <laughs> why do you even use Chrome? Do you use Netflix? No, I don't have a Netflix. Uh, oh, then you absolutely don't Netflix. need Chrome. And Firefox does Netflix now, random dude. Can confirm. I was so happy when I because I uninstalled uh i uninstalled chrome like last month or the month before that because firefox finally netflix turned on support for firefox firefox did what they needed to do like six months ago netflix this year finally uh turned on firefox support on linux i do actually have a hulu subscription that will probably it will definitely work in chrome i don't know about anything else um i know hulu has a desktop go ahead and grab that driver from nvidia's website actually it should add the ppa to your system from what i'm seeing online product type geforce 10 series no i, I don't have a titan xp sorry nvidia gosh <laughs> uh operating system linux 64 oh or should i is there huh more specified option here. Um, okay. I mean, you're not on Linux 32. Linux no, I said no. See how they've got they've got a free BSD one. Hey, look at that. <laughs> cool. Is is what Solaris? Solaris is one. another Unix. It's not Solus. Oh, don't great. get confused. Solaris is not used by anyone. I don't know why they make that driver. <laughs> <laughs> Search. Okay, dokie. Release date. Okay, cool. I agree. Keep it. Keep it, please. Um, you did it wrong. Of course. All right, so you opened up. So this is a dot run file. Now Nvidia is doing one of those weird things where they're not using a deb um, because a deb you can extract it and see all the files. This is a proprietary thing you're you're running. You need to actually run that as a program. So X out. You just open it in a text editor. Uh, uh -huh. Go to your downloads, and what you'll do Ready. is um, open up a terminal in that where you're at right now. Can you do that by yeah? Open oh, a terminal right there. Oh, Super okay. easy. Was, All right, so yeah. type in sh, which means run this space dot slash space dot slash yeah dot slash okay. which dot slash means current directory, not a dash, a slash. Oh, you said okay. Yeah. And then okay. type in a capital N and press tab. Oh, you said tab. <laughs> <laughs> press up. Okay, yeah. 
Uh, it makes a weird noise, like boop, when I press tab. Hmm. It makes like, um, a boopy noise. It just goes boop. I, I don't think I'm brain farting a terminal usage. Let me let me check this here. So. Which, I'm guessing, on the boop is a is a, an error. Actually, here's an idea. Here's an idea. No, yeah. Type the sh space again. Get rid of that. And then just drag in that NVIDIA Linux into your terminal. Uh, really? Yeah, it should shortcut if it's in like KDE. Yep. Done. All right, uh, so hit enter. Select the terminal and hit enter. Oh. Uh, it, no, that was from just... when you hit enter when you weren't in the terminal. Okay. Click in there. Verify there we go. All right. So now this is NVIDIA's uh, graphics driver installer. Uh oh. Must be run as root. Click OK or enter. Oh. Enter. Yeah. I guess so that's just up. me giving it the OK that it can do it. No, that that was OK yeah. exit. Uh, click up. Go yeah. back to the ba the beginning with your left arrow key. And then how oh, do you run oh, something yeah. as root? Run something as root? Yeah. How do you run something as root? Sudo. Yeah. So add sudo at the beginning. Sudo. Okay. Super user do. Uh, super sudo is S U D O. Uh, super user do. Super user space. Space S H. Yep. You put anything oh. you want after it. So hit enter. Okay. Password. Yeah, Brandon, dude, Password. I have seriously been having issues with console just today, and I just updated last night. So, please read the following license agreement. Sure. I read. Uh, the dish should be provided pre-install script failed. Are you sure you want to continue? So, uh, what you're gonna do, you have to disable the built-in open source driver before it will let you install the proprietary one. So click abort. Okay, okay. I see what you're saying. Search your, search your, search your computer for, uh, for driver. Just drivers. Nope. I don't see you searching that. What are you doing? No, the, your menu. <laughs> My menu? <laughs> yeah. Gnome has too many search boxes. Uh, yeah, I go in there. Go in there. That's the it. section that will do it for you. I forgot they added it in under something else. They moved it. Yeah, go to additional drivers in there. Zesty Zappus? Additional no, drivers. go to additional. Yeah. Um, so now it will go and find... See, this will just do it for you. We didn't have to go to NVIDIA's website. Oh my, this is great. So yeah, go and click uh, using NVIDIA binary driver. You've got that wireless adapter driver shows up now that you've already installed yourself. Oh, and then just go to the That's bottom awesome. and click using processor microcode. That'll uh, fix possible processor errors. And just click apply changes. And now it'll uh, go well, ahead. Well, there we go. This is awesome. This is exactly what I was looking for. Just an easy, do you want your stuff? Yeah, I, yeah. Uh, I, I, I just stuff. didn't know where it was on GNOME. They put it with yes, the software yeah. and updates, so. Awesome. So, yeah, uh, after that happens, uh, you you will have to restart the computer for that change to take effect. But Okay. I I'll think... restart the computer next week. <laughs> yeah. Next week, he'll be using the proprietary NVIDIA driver. Uh, so don't tell Richard Stallman to watch next week. But No. Like, can he blame me? I mean, I'm a gamer. It's it's all about priorities. It, 
if he if can we, blame if, you all right but you don't have to listen to him but if being if, if using the proprietary software means the best possible experience with with, with games then yeah i'm really I'm excited like. because the open source driver with wayland is going to have to get some improvements that right now the nvidia proprietary driver does not work with wayland so what either two things are going to happen nvidia is going to work with wayland or the open source driver developers are going to have to make some big changes to make it work better. i think nvidia so, will will do it on their end probably but they haven't yet and uh, wayland's shipping by default on fedora so when is that happening is it happening soon what or it's happening right now wayland is already shipping by default on fedora okay, okay. It, it falls okay, back okay. to x if it fails but um, how long has that been going on forever or uh, just, just... like within the last six months probably okay but yeah, it's huh. um, Wayland has been in development for longer than that. But see, if if the NVIDIA driver was open source, then developers, the Wayland developers, would have just made it work already with Wayland. Yeah. But since it's proprietary, they can't. All right, so you can click close now. And oh well, yeah, yeah it says you need to restart your computer to complete the driver changes. Um, any other questions you had this week? I'm sure I will have some after I start using all these these new things I knew I now have. But. As of right now, no, that, that was my only problem. I was just trying to get my bare minimum set up. All right. As the casual Joe gamer. Yeah. Uh, how you like a gnome, by the way? I like it. I like it. I know I you didn't like it at first, but you're... I, it, it's the sort of thing where it's just, you're like, oh, this is different, weird, yeah. hate it. That's just the way humans work. Well, that's but I at, loved it after... when I first tried it, like I said, but... But then, then you know, start getting into a start, things start to work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm starting to like know where things are now. Mm -hmm. So I, it's just, let me play some games. Let me hang out in some Discord. Yeah. And uh, I'll, now that you know how to it, install Discord and everything yeah. else that you probably want. Yeah, I mean, um, that was the biggest thing. Was like, how am I supposed to run into problems if I can't even do the things that are supposed to, like, maybe give me problems? Right. I mean, yeah. Yeah, and I, you know, packaging has been a huge problem on Linux, and that's why we're working on snaps and flat packs and app images. Um, I tried in an app image this week for the first time in a while. I haven't used an app image for a while, but um, Vegas I... coming. Random dudes say, "Dearly, <clears throat> Vegas coming, bruh. You wait, hey man. I'm not saying anything. Just saying, it's still probably not going to be good as the, as the 1000 series from Nvidia, which. You know, they've never been better. They're always going for the, the cheaper and still just enough is... is I, I feel like there was an air, there was a point in time when AMD cards were the high end. I feel like that They happened. were. They were. They, 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 for, uh, in the, in the earlier days, they were, yeah. like, on par or just as good, even better. But so now they're, uh, they but now back. they, they go for the, like, they, yeah. they, like, specifically go for, like, let's put our things, like, hundreds lower like hundreds yeah. lower that's and what they're like, doing with the processors the is, for sure, like, yeah. the thing is like most people don't need a 1080 ti a 700 graphics card mm -hmm. most people just want to spend a couple hundred bucks so why not go for the thing that you know is 200 dollars? you're, you're pissing really, off really random dude well. <laughs> hey you know what it's all it's called opinions man deal with them or get out of hey, no no, no. here's an idea it's, random dude you want to talk about this Mark will argue with you all week on the Nerd on the Street <laughs> forums at nerdonthestreet.com. Yeah, go to rr.nots.co, and we're still making the feedback. Now, I'm actually, if nobody starts talking in those feedback threads, I'm actually thinking about, I wanted to talk to you, Mark, about discontinuing those and just having regular comments again, because the first three episodes, nobody said anything in the feedback thread, but 
random dude, if you want to talk about graphics card stuff, um, yeah, hey, rr.nots.co, there will be a feedback thread for this episode. And yeah, with that, I do want to uh, I do want to thank Random Dude for showing up this week, and thank any other viewers we might have had on any of the or various services. I'm on Discord a lot. If you just just ping me there with your concerns. Well, we want to get people on nerdonthestreet.com because that uh, yes, gives course. us advertising yeah. money and builds yeah. a brand loyalty. But I'll go there first. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, thanks everyone for watching. Episode five will be next week. We'll think of something fun to do. And uh, yeah. for now, though, we are going to run. This was a nice, tight two-hour episode. Um, so, yeah. I'm Jacob Kaufman. I'm Mark Patootley. <laughs> and uh, see you guys next week. Goodbye. Yeah.